This is Southern Tier Close-Up on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. And this is the Southern Tier Close-Up, a weekly public affairs presentation of the station. Boy, it's been a long time, but joining me on the program this morning from Binghamton University is Professor Elizabeth Tucker. Welcome to the program, Libby. Thank you so much, Kathy. Really happy to be back. Well, for people that don't know, because it was right after the book came out, I think, that I had you on the program, you were the author of Haunted Southern Tier, also Haunted Campuses, was it? Haunted Halls in 2007 and Haunted Southern Tier in 2011. Wow. It's still one of my all-time favorite books, I have to say, and even though I haven't talked to you, in now it's going on, gosh, can you believe it's been almost 10 years? <laughs> wow. I know, I know. I've passed the book around to so many people, and I know you've been in contact with a lot of my other media brothers and sisters that I've handed the book over to and made them aware. It's a very interesting book as we're getting toward Halloween, although nothing is more scary than what we're going through right now. Um, but your whole forte, and it's an, an interesting read because your expertise is in folklore, right, pretty much? Yes, yes, I'm a folklorist. I got my Ph.D. in folklore from Indiana University. So ghost stories pretty much are, I mean, there's lots of folklore, but ghost stories seem to be one of the most favorite and prevalent is spanning generations, everyone's got ghost stories to tell. You're absolutely right, yes, because we're all curious about the line, I think, between life and death. And around Halloween, traditionally in Celtic folklore, the line between the dead and the living becomes thinner. So, and, and you know, the air is getting colder, and we're just more aware of winter coming. So this is a time when people tell stories about ghosts. But on the other hand, I hear ghost stories all year round, especially on college campuses. Students are at a great age for telling stories like that. Oh, really? Okay. I mean, other folklore that's been through the centuries, obviously involving heroes, we got the Iliad and the Odyssey and, you know, all all that kind of thing. So there's plenty of folklore. There's plenty of local lore about uh, the local founders of the the Twin Tiers. And there's even family folklore where your um, great aunt tells you that you are a direct descendant of, you know, I don't know, whoever founded Binghamton University or whatever. And you know, you go, the, now we have all this Ancestry.com that kind of blows a hole in some of the, the family folklore that we've all believed in over the generations. It must be interesting for your job to be able to sort through all that. Absolutely, it really is. And I've been on Ancestry.com, especially during the pandemic. I had more time to check it out. I'd always wanted to. And I got pretty good evidence that the family story I'd heard that we were part Cherokee wasn't really true. Unfortunately, <laughs> I had hoped it was. And, and you kind of wonder how these, well, you would know better than I, being that this is your field of expertise, of how these stories end up getting sent down through the generations. Why did somebody start that that story to begin with, and then it's like playing post office, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger as you go along, but, but why do these things start to begin with, and why do ghost stories start to begin with? Uh, that's a great question. I, I think people have always told stories about the the living trying to understand where the dead go. Um, the epic of 
Gilgamesh, for example, in Sumeria is about Gilgamesh losing his best friend and going to the land of the dead to try to find him. So, you know, there's always there's a sense of sadness, but also just a very strong curiosity. And then there's also there are also traditions of Beth the Dead coming back and helping people, being like angels. And we have a lot of stories like that around here of ghosts that, that come back and help you find something, or maybe they play a trick just to amuse you and make your day a little more exciting. Well, I think maybe part of it, too, is you just don't want to know that there's, you don't know, want it to accept that there is something, that there is an end, that that this isn't over yet, is what you want to keep finding evidence that there's not, a when the book closes or the meter runs out, that that's the absolute end of it all. Exactly, yes. And, you know, there are some spiritualist colonies where you can go and visit a psychic medium and hear about what all your dead relatives and friends are doing now and get messages from them. I've been to Lilydale a number of times. It's a very interesting place. I have a friend that goes there frequently, yeah. Uh, Now, Binghamton University has had a few stories. I mean, we locals all know the uh, spiritualist, the kind of spooky hot spots in town, like the Robertson Mansion, as well as the castle, the uh, the campus up at the uh, Binghamton Psychiatric Center. But I was kind of surprised as I read the book, uh, the first of the million times that I've read it, about the the stuff on campus, because I figure that that's kind of a fairly new build as far as. You know, construction stuff. You figure old houses and things like that are where you're going to find the ghosts and ghouls, not so much college campuses that were built, you know, in the in modern times. Exactly. Yes, um, Binghamton University, once SUNY Binghamton and earliest Triple Cities College came into being in the mid 20th century. In the I mid- remember Harper yeah. College. Yeah, yeah, Harper. It was originally Harper, and then it it grew and has all these professional schools now. So it's not that old a campus, but for students, it's their world, and students tend to look toward the oldest building as being a place that might be haunted. And so there there are several areas on campus, some of the older residence halls that have been thought to have usually very friendly spirits in them, and it's been interesting to collect those, those stories over the years. How do you get the stories? Is it people just approach you and say, "Hey, I, I just I had something happen to me," or this is a story I heard? Or how do you get the stories that that? And how do you research them and use that information? I learn a lot of them from talking to my students. We have such intelligent, wonderful students, and they're very curious about narratives of different kinds. And they hear things. They talk to each other, especially around this time of year, and so. Uh, when I had first come to this campus back at night, way back in 1978, if you can believe that, I heard that there was a room in College in the Woods that was haunted, that there was a spirit under a student's bed, and it was making drum beats and growling, and the students had to call it an exorcist from Buffalo to try to get rid of the spirit. It was in a corner room in College in the Woods. I don't know which building. And apparently the exorcism didn't get rid of the spirit, but they found out his name was Azariel, and the students couldn't afford to keep paying the exorcist to get rid of the spirit, and so they just changed rooms. So the story says that room is still haunted by the spirit, and anybody who moves into a corner room maybe should watch out. 
<laughs> I, I just I, the way my mind works, I, I immediately jump to a joke. I remember what happens when you don't pay your exorcist; you get repossessed. Oh, beautiful! Yeah, that, that fits perfectly. And of course, there's a monetary element in it too. You know, some ex- priests would never charge for a house blessing, but some ex- some people who and people do exorcisms still. Some some do charge for it. it. Could get kind of expensive. What is you know in your experience that you've had so far over these many years? What is about the creepiest and most convincing story? That uh, that you've heard. I mean, you look at it as a, a kind of as an analytical type thing, not so much as ooh, you're a believer or you're trying to convince somebody to be a believer. But what's kind of the the ookiest story that you've heard? Well, yeah, that's a great question. It's a little bit hard to narrow it down to only one, but I'd say it might be a story that one of my students told me during class years ago. Gee, this must be about 15 years ago. Um, we were It was a folklore class, and we were talking about strange things that had happened, stories that the students had heard. And this student had not said anything the whole semester. She just sat very quiet. And then all of a sudden, she raised her hand. She said, I have a story. When I was a child, I used to have terrible dreams of terrible things happening. And I would wake up screaming and crying. And one night I had a dream that a plane crashed in a cornfield and it seemed so real and the plane caught on fire and I could see the numbers on the tail. It was E569. And I was so upset and my mother came in and tried to comfort me and I told her all about the story. And then she said the next day a plane actually did crash in a cornfield right on the outskirts of her town with exactly the same letters on the tail. And her mother came and shook her and said, don't you ever talk about that again. If you have a dream like that, you push it back, or I will spank you so bad, you'll wish you'd never been born. And so she said she just, she stopped. She would feel those dreams coming. She'd push them away because she was so afraid that her mother would punish her. But that story felt very real and very important to her. And to everybody in the class, too, we were impressed by it. Yeah, that's that's uh, one of those another little aisle down there. The the whole premonition stuff is is kind of a, a different thing as well. One thing that I did want to ask you, as I mentioned earlier in the program, that these are pretty scary times right now. Do we do we really need ghost stories first of all? But yeah, do we really need ghost stories when when it's scary like this? What do ghost stories do for us? When we pass along tales of uh, Devil's Elbow or in Robertson Mansion, you've seen the imprint of somebody sitting on the bed when there's nobody there. What what good do these stories do when we're already frightened out of our gourds with reality? That is a very interesting question, and I've been thinking about that a lot because, you know, these are these are very, very scary times. And... I was interested to see last spring that the New York Times did a full-page story that they called Quarantining with Ghosts with pictures about um, the writer being sure that her house was haunted and being more aware of the ghosts because it was so quiet and she wasn't seeing anybody else. She was all alone, and so she felt the presence of spirits, and she wrote about it. And, um, of course, as a folklorist interested in ghost stories, I'm, I'm... trying to keep my eyes and ears open. And as far as I can tell so far, sometimes it can be comforting for people to perceive spirits of those 
they've been close to who have passed away. And this can be a good thing. But Halloween, you know, is a strange time with all sorts of things happening. And I don't really know what's going to happen around Halloween. I hope we'll all stay safe. That's the main concern I have. But I'm also keeping an eye out for stories that will be told then. Well, this is kind of interesting that, you know, we've heard the the uh, reports of a lot of people going out and getting pets for keeping them company during quarantine. Never heard of anyone going out and getting themselves a ghost. <laughs> I know, right? Isn't that, isn't that funny? That but, is very funny. <laughs> yeah, apparently the reports of haunted houses has gone up a little bit since the pandemic started. Wow. Hmm. Here's, here's another thing that occurred to me. Uh, when we talk about seeing apparitions or such or, or haunted house, as I mentioned earlier, it's usually older things. Are there such things as um, more current? How how early can a ghost story evolve? Normally you hear people saying, oh, yes, there was this woman in a white dress. looked like she was from the 1800s or, you know, very latest, maybe the 1920s or 50s. Or, it's like... Are there people that maybe just recently passed, maybe somebody that was a victim of COVID-19 that we're already hearing ghost stories about? Yeah, I'm really wondering about that also. Um, Certainly ghost stories can start very soon after somebody passes away. For example, one of my great aunts, very much loved great aunt, my family in Maine, passed away some years ago. And right after she died, some family members were saying that they had gotten an email from her. So there are all these an technology email. ghost stories, you know, about well, when they show up on TikTok, we're in, tel- we're in real trouble. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it, TikTok is. Is very intriguing. Lots of lots of young people love TikTok, and I have it too. I have it on my phone. Wouldn't I, it I be funny it if you see an apparition behind somebody doing a dance on TikTok? Wow, that would be creepy for sure. Yeah. <laughs> some, some ghost doing dabbing behind somebody. Oh my! Yeah. Now, is your book, or uh, either of your books, still in, uh, available? And where can people find them if they're interested in? Cause there are a lot of local stories. We're not talking just campus stuff for people that might be curious in what kind of uh, stories and and where you got to uh, where the these tales came from. Where can people find copies of your books? Uh, they can find the books on Amazon.com. They're all still there. They have six books all together. The most recent one is called Legend Tripping, a contemporary legend case book, and it's about legend tripping here and a bunch of other places around the country. Uh, they're all online. Some of them are, at least two of them are at Barnes & Noble also. And they're not all ghost stories. As we mentioned, there's a lot of legends and tales that uh, purvey our local history and uh, and the history of families. If you you know listen, if you get to go to holiday gatherings in the near future, listen to what some people some of the stories that they spread around. Exactly, and I think during the pandemic, it makes us especially aware how precious our families are to us and how important it is not only to tell the stories but to write them down or maybe record them on video to share with others. Well, this has been a lot of fun. We are out of time. And once again, the name of the book that I love so much is Haunted Southern Tear by Elizabeth Tucker. Thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you so much, Kathy. I really enjoyed being on your program. And stay safe.
This has been the Southern Tier Close-Up, a weekly public affairs presentation of this station. This program was recorded for broadcast at this time. I'm Kathy White for the Southern Tier Close-Up. It's a pleasure to have with me Joe